Hey, TABC family, welcome back to the podcast. We're glad to have you with us as we seek to go deeper into Sunday's teaching and ask the questions that will help us live out God's word in our daily lives. That's why we do this podcast, to equip the followers of Jesus here at 12th to grow in obedience and affection for him every day. Our hope is that at 12th, we would be a biblical community of kingdom people who are joining God in the restoration of all things, one person, one place at a time. And our desire is that our time together today equips you to do just that. Thanks for being with us. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. It is Garen and Jordan coming to you, uh, talking about Garen's sermon, Trinity, part five, which he gave on the 18th of February. We're really marching through this Trinity series. Garen, we have a lot of good things to talk about, but I have something on my mind. Can you help me with it real quick? Yeah. So last night, Kate and I were watching the original Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Oh, the Ark. very original. The very original. Yeah. Because she hadn't seen it for a long time. And yeah. I don't think she even remembered like the outcome or anything. So what was funny is first she asked me, is this based on a true story? Then, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish. That would be great. But my question to you, Garen, is Ark of the Covenant still out there still in, in existence yeah nobody knows there's a lot of theories there what's, are people what, who think it's what's the garen theory though i don't really <laughs> I, I went to a bible college where we would sit and spend hours in class talking about the most minuscule things and it annoyed me <laughs> i just don't give too much energy i i'm so trying to follow jesus i mean that sounds maybe super spiritual but i just don't you have no have time the, for silly things like that i mean there's it's down in Ethiopia or it's in, it's under the Temple Mount somewhere. I mean, but nobody knows. You don't think it's in a government warehouse somewhere? Could, very well could be. That that <laughs> that may be the best answer is that it is in a warehouse somewhere. You don't waiting think they got it right. For the that. next somebody to, to pull it out and start okay. using right. it again. Just had to get your opinion on that real quick. Because this is way more important. You're right. Let's just focus on Jesus. That's the Garen way. Let's focus on Jesus. Talk about things that matter. Trinity part five. Garen, you took us to a place that I would not have gone initially when thinking about the Trinity, but you talked about the Trinity's work, that God's work here on earth. Yeah. And this referenced back to a message that you gave way back on October 30th, 2022, where you essentially talked about the fact that God works. And I think if I remember right, correct me if I'm wrong, the whole message there back at that, at that sermon was that we work alongside God and our work has dignity. Yeah. And so you kind of reintroduced that in a certain way here because you reminded us that our God is a worker, that he was at work in the initial creation of everything, and that he is still doing an ongoing work in sustaining everything. He has not stopped working. Yeah. And it was that especially this ongoing because, you know, Genesis 2 says he stopped, ceased after that sixth day. And so it was that question of, okay, did he just work at the beginning and now he's just chilling out and yeah. having a good time or does that continue? So that's why I love this Psalm 104 because it talks about his ongoing work. So you push back against this idea that God spun the world and stepped back and now has nothing to do with it, but he is actually intricately, intricately involved in all of our lives, but also is just sustaining the universe as a whole. Yeah. You, uh, you said something to me that really stuck, and I wonder if you would expound on it for me, that God's mission is bigger than just winning souls. Yeah, I think if you would have asked me uh, it would have been a while back. Like I would have said, of course God's working right now. But my own, my in my mind, the only work He was doing is like 
spiritual work, trying to draw people to himself to save souls. This idea in Psalm 104 that he's actually working to bless and preserve and care for the whole creation is was kind of a new idea. Like, whoa, it's more than just soul care. He is after soul care, but he he cares about everything. And that this psalm, I love it. It's talking about he cares about the hills and the land and the land flourishes and creatures flourish and we flourish. It's like he loves all of it. And yeah, he wants us in relationship, but it, it was just a, yeah, I didn't have this idea. I thought his only work right now was spiritual and he is trying to draw us to himself, but he cares about all of it. And I thought that basically all this Christian life was what God was about is winning souls. And then when Jesus comes, he obliterates the earth. He blows the whole thing up and we're in heaven floating around for eternity doing whatever you do up there, right? That idea. And I just had no sense of the value of the whole of creation to him. And then when I started learning like new creations at the end of Revelation, I'm like, oh, this all makes sense. He does care about, cares about our souls, but he cares about all of it and he wants it all. He wants it all cared for and he wants it all back. So this really expands our view of who God is because he, like you said, he's not just some force up far away who's distant and he's not just some God who's only interested in souls and then he wipes everything clean. I mean, he is a gardener. He is somebody who tends for his creation. Yeah. Um, which is like way better. Yeah. You right. know? It is way better. Because he cares about all of my life, not just my spiritual life, my emotional yeah. life. He cares about my my health and my physical life. He cares about, you know, the cat that I loved. He cares about that cat and the dogs we have that we love. I don't know. Maybe no, we won't have to. We don't go down the dog thing. Wait. Oh, yeah. well, sure. yeah. But you know. Uh, sorry, you know, I think the every, animals that we love. I like, think everybody, everybody has felt that that yeah. pain of like you know pets or just even small things in our lives. And it's like, does God really care about this? Yeah. Or does He only care when I pray for my friend who doesn't know Him? And now He cares about everything. Yeah, you know, you go out and you see the bison out in the the prairie park preserve, and they're just so amazing. And I can just sit there for hours and watch them. And it's like, okay, is that a waste of time? No, because God is caring for those animals. He's richly providing for them. He enjoys and delights in them. And so, yeah, it just makes your view of him a lot bigger. He's, an e- he, he's, much, easier, he's much easier to worship and to love and to give everything to when, for me, when, when this is who he is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Much easier to connect with. Um, so, Garen Forsyth, cat person, dog person, mix of the two. You know, for a long time, it was cats because I never grew up with a dog. I grew up with a cat. But uh, if I go to a pet in the future, it's probably going to be to a dog. I'm really, mm. I'm wanting a dog to pal around with. I want to go mm. take a dog, climb some mountains. Mm. I just don't want the, I don't want the shedding all in the house. That's oh, the I main know. thing I don't miss when, I know when we went catless. So that's, that's the debate. I could, I could see Garen Forsyth being likened to a cat, you know, a little mysterious Shows up, kind of moves in and out, is in the shadows. Yeah. Especially of. yesterday morning. I was pretty mysterious. I didn't feel good. So I was <laughs> hanging out in the back and trying not to infect people and stuff. Yeah. Somebody but, texted me and they said, man, Garen really got it out today. I was like, you know what? He's just, he's Cal Ripken Jr. up there, man. He, yeah. He's the Iron Man. He gets through it. And I'm glad you were because it was a really useful message. One of the things you moved into, you know, you really camped on Psalm 104 and took us through that and just showed us on screen. And if you want to see this, go watch the message. It's really good. But just took us through the breakdown of that chapter and how it really is artistic and it is organized and just all the different things it talks about. One of the things it talks about is the abundance in provision from God. 
So Psalm 104 discusses this and also Psalm 65. But to me, it brought to mind this idea of abundance mentality, you know, because it says that God is abundant in his provision, that he is always providing more than enough for his creation. So can you talk to me about abundance mentality and and what that might mean for us? Yeah, I mean, the, the abundance mentality is the idea that there is more than enough, that the way he wired the universe, the way he created things is that there is more than enough. And he's a God that gives more than enough. And the opposite, which is where fallen human nature goes, is a scarcity mentality, that there's not enough. So I've got to claw and fight for what I've got. And when I have it, I got to hang on to it. And so it leads us to not being generous people and to cling to what we have. But that's not what God is like. And that's why I even paused yesterday with that. And I kind of stuck the generosity moment in a weird way in there. And I'm like, this is who God is. He's generously abundant, abundant in his generosity. So, you know, for a minute, let's reflect, where am I? Am I, do I reflect that or? Yeah. But this whole thing is, you know, I have a tendency to scarcity mentality. And I think you've talked about that before. Yeah. Yeah. Really formative for me too. I did like how you, you put that into the message there with generosity moment, because you brought us to a place where we realized that God is abundantly generous. And then you just said simply like, we should reflect that. And that's one of the things I really appreciate about 12. And I don't know that I've been in a church that really um, does giving in a poor way, but I just really like the way 12 does it. It's just very clear, Garen, when you talk about it from the stage, that when we give, it is a reflection of God's generosity to us. And it's not under compulsion and it's not so that we can be blessed. It really is because this is who God is. And if we're going to reflect him, then we need to be generous too. And so, um, yeah, you, you did a great job yesterday with that. And I felt once again, like, okay, I know why we give here at 12. I know why I'm happy to give. And I thought it fit in well with the yeah. message. So, And so I just a reminder now, Jordan, if there's somebody listening who is still struggling, like I find giving so hard, you know, our budget's tight. I'm not sure I'm going to make it. Just the reminder, God will abundantly provide for you. And when you give, he'll make sure you're taken care of and to just step into more living this way. The only way to grow in it, I found, is you got to step into it. And just by being more generous, your heart enlarges and you're able to do it. If you just kind of stay in that fear of the scarcity, you're never going to grow in that. So just... Can I, uh, can I ask a quick, this is kind of a bunny show question. Sure. But maybe somebody's listening and they are not giving yet and they hear you say that. How is, how is what you just said not um, name it and claim it? Not like prosperity gospel. Not, hey, if you give, then God's going to bless you. What, how, what's the difference there? <laughs> Because I really feel like at 12th, we have a healthy idea of giving. I know other places will say, you know, if you give, God will bless you. How are we different? Yeah. Uh, I just happened to hear a preacher the other day who probably a lot of us know that that name it, claim it, that prosperity gospel really is, hey, if you give to God, he'll give you like tenfold back. And it it is very clear. They talk about, I mean, he even said, I mean, the Bible's clear. Everybody should be rich. Nobody should be poor. and it's that giving is just a way to use God just to up my income level. The scripture talks about God's an abundant God. It talks about giving generously. God promises multiple times. I will meet your needs through my riches. So he's saying, don't, you don't have to worry that your giving is going to wreck you financially. You know, if you, if you're giving what I'm leading you to do. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just a, it's just kind of a difference. You can cross that line. I think really easy. Mm. That's, I mean, I've seen TV preachers, it's like, hey, if you give 100 bucks, God's going to give you a thousand back. Or, it seems kind of formulaic. Yeah. 
Like, hey, all right, if I give 10, I get 100 yeah. back this yeah. week, right? Yeah. And that's not the heart of God. Yeah, I've never had that happen in my life. Yeah. But I've always had God meet our needs, even when we were struggling and we still kept giving. There were so many ways he provided for us. And I have zero regret on the giving and wish I had done it more, sooner, faster. Mm. But you got to grow into all that. So. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Karen. So moving on, you know, you talked uh, about Trinity and how the whole Trinity is present and active in this ongoing care of creation and of humanity. You took us to, again, Psalm 104 and Job 26, which just with both show us spaces where the Holy Spirit takes part in this. You say the Holy Spirit is renewing the ground that we live on, that the Holy Spirit makes the heavens beautiful. Uh, You took us to Colossians 1 and Hebrews 1, where the Son, it says, uh, you you know, he is holding all creation together within himself, Uh that he is sustaining all things. So it's truly this picture of the whole Trinity working together in this, what was the phrase you used? Was it like ongoing creation care? Ongoing care of creation. Uh, ongoing yeah. care of creation or his, the big, the theological God's providential care, right. but his ongoing care of creation. And so I think in my mind, a lot of times that's just the father, right. you know, he yes. created everything. Yes. And so he is outside the world and he's kind of holding it all together like this. And I mean, God's scripture is clear that it's it's a Trinity work. And while he may take the lead in some things, yeah. the Trinity is present yeah. in all that. Yes. And so it's kind of a going back to the week before that God does have lead roles, but all of them are involved. And just that emphasis or the reminder that the whole Trinity works. And it's not like, well, the Father's doing that and Son and Spirit. They're just doing kind of the spiritual stuff, doing with souls and the Father's doing that too. But he's pretty busy with creation. They're all involved in it. And they all have roles in it. It's just a really crazy idea. Yeah. And then you you upped it and you said, not only does the Trinity share that within itself, but the Trinity shares that responsibility with humans, right? That there's this partnership. And then you even said in Psalm 104, oh, I didn't, I don't have my Bible. Yeah, verses me, but, 14 and 15, where he says, God gives grass to the cattle and then he, he gives plants for humans to cultivate. And gives them, you know, wine for the gladness of their heart and oil. I don't remember all the exact words. But suddenly in the middle of this thing, it's all about God. And then it says, okay, he gives plants, but it's for them to cultivate. Yeah. And what that says is, is he's like, I'm not doing this alone. I'm actually going to give humans that C.S. Lewis phrase I love, the dignity of causality. I'm going to give you the dignity of being a part of it. And you get to be part of creation care. And you get to be part of provision. And yeah, I'm going to give you the grain, but you're going to make the bread and the pizza and you're going to be the ones who make the the olive oil and the wine and all of that. That That is to me so crazy that this God is willing to partner with us and give us real responsibility in putting food on the table. He's like, I'm not going to make it just appear. You're not going to come home and zap. There's the meal. Yeah. It took a lot of work from, from 12 months ago to get it to your table and a lot of people in that chain. And they're all partnering with me. So what does the dignity of causality show us about the heart of God? To me, it shows a great deal of love and humility and deference. Because you, we, you and I both know you have little kids. I had little kids. I've got grandkids now. When they want to help do the dishes, it takes a lot longer. It doesn't get, you probably have to go back and redo it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we're in ministry and you and I have talked a lot about we want to multiply. So we have interns, you know, you people that we invest in and we let them do things that we would normally do. Um, 
that just takes a lot of humility. Uh, that's a, an idea of like, I want to multiply myself. And that's not always easy, but that's what I see God doing is this multiplication of himself. And, you know, he could have sent angels to reach the whole world with the gospel, but he didn't. He gave it to us and he said, you get to do that. Um, and as poorly as we do it a lot of times, right? <laughs> yeah, right. To me, that's just a lot of humility to yeah. be able to, to step back and to let somebody do something that's not going to do it as well as you do. Right. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that hit me hardest on this one because as the dad of three small kids who constantly want to help and want to do things, you know, sometimes I'm impatient and I, you know, I even feel proud of myself in those moments. Like, hey, I, I really let them help even though they, you know, can't really help. But a lot of the time I'm like, you know what? Go sit down. I'm going to do this and we're going to get it done in 90 yeah, seconds right. and it's going to be done right. Yes. And, and so just being reminded, like, if I feel that way with my kids, <coughs> the, the gap between God and me is so oh, much bigger than, so the much God, than the gap between me and my kids. And so for him to still show that level of deference and be like, all right, Jordan, I'm going to use you or Garen or whoever. And you're my partner in this. It's like, whoa, what are you doing, God? I <laughs> I'm so much worse at this than you. Why wouldn't you just do yeah. it yourself? But that's just the dignity of, uh, of what it means to be a partner with God yeah. on his mission. So, and you cool. see this, even I always knew this with my kids, but even with grandkids now, you see it, it so stands out to me. They so much want to help. Mm -hmm. There's something baked into us that we want to have a role in something. And that is what gives us dignity. And even if you say, yeah, you so know, true. oh no, like a kid will go, oh, right. Because you're kind of stealing some of their dignity. And right. God is so, I don't know. I just feel like he's so humble that he, he involves us in this one. If he cooked the meal, you know, if he, if he was the meal provider, don't you know he'd make the most awesome bread? Like his pizza would be the best oh, ever. Yeah. Right, every time. So he's like, okay. Like that, the, those rocks that got turned into bread out in yeah. the desert for Jesus? Probably. You know, that was like the best ciabatta. Of, oh, the of, best ever. Yeah. Yeah, he goes, Garen, here, you partner with me today. You do you do the meal and I pull out a can of tomato, <laughs> Campbell's tomato soup. And he's like, I, I could have done a whole lot better than that, Garen, Come but on, I'll, let Garen. You, I'll let you do that. <laughs> so... Um, I have a little pushback here, Garen, because you talked about how all work is partnering with God, right? And so I'm not saying that's not true, but you went into how all of our jobs and everything, they give glory back to God. So what about the person who works from home? They don't see another person all day long. Maybe they're just inputting data. Maybe they're just doing spreadsheet work and they don't see anybody and nobody knows like or cares if they do 200 spreadsheets or 300 spreadsheets a day or whatever. And they're just, you know, cut off from the rest of humanity. And from our point of view, you know, they're being productive, but it doesn't really matter if they come to heart or they come to work with a joyful heart or not. What would you say to them about being a partner with God on mission and that their work matters and their work is an active uh, partnership with God? Yeah. What I would say is, you know, I, there's so many specific jobs we could do, but if you'll, any job, if you take it, there's like a, a, I don't know if to train is the right word. There is a long line of parts that lead to an end game or an end product that always is leading to human flourishing or the flourishing of creation. And I may be at home entering data, but that data is being used for something that's going to bless people down the line. And so I'm still part of that providential care. That's why I like, I kind of tweaked what Luther says, but Luther talked about like the, the farmer grows the crops. The dude with the wagon takes it into town. The grinder grinds it. It goes to the baker who bakes it. 
and then the guy who delivers the bread and then the mom or whoever takes it and, you know, use it to make something that, that, that whole line is part of an end product. And then, so everybody is taking part in God's providential care. And maybe part of this isn't even the the result. Maybe part of it is just that doing the act joyfully brings God glory too. Yeah. You know, like it's an audience of one kind of thing. Yes. I don't have to go out and be heard by lots of people or be seen right. by lots of people and be validated by them. There's, there's honestly maybe more, maybe it pleases God more when we have one of those jobs that nobody sees us and yet we're still joyful Yeah, and we're still doing it for his glory because we, he knows that we're not getting any kind of validation from others and it truly is just for him. Yeah. So maybe the, those are the jobs where he's most glorified. I mean, I don't yeah. know. Lewis talks about that. It's sometimes when we do the hardest things that are unseen that he finds. So to me, it's keeping that end game in mind that I'm part of a larger human process of being part of God's providential care. I mean, you think of a guy who works construction, just building highways and they're like, I'm out here in the heat of the day. You know, what am I doing or what is this? Well, if you don't have the highway, you don't get the the grain transported right to the co-op and all of that. Like it's all part of a chain. And so it's like, keep the end game in mind that I am part of something of delivering goods and flourishing of humans. And that's why I even mentioned yesterday, like, um, because he cares about cats and dogs. I mean, that's in here. He cares about creatures that even like if I'm working at Hills, you know, Hostway works there and he's doing chemical analysis to make sure that it's the right balance of things. Right. And, um, but that's all part of getting cat food and dog food to our cats and dogs to lovingly care for them. And it's all part of God's work. And you might be like, all I'm doing is I'm analyzing chemicals in this, you know, I'm, I don't, I've never been worth work to him, but I'm just kind of imagining so to me, it's the bigger end game of like, oh, here's the ultimate end of this thing of what I'm I'm a part of. And maybe nobody sees me in what I'm doing, but it's important. And I'm going to find joy in it because God delights. That was one of the things in this is God delights in his creation. So he delights in its flourishing. Mm. And so, so come to work with gusto and joy because yeah. I'm part of an important thing and I'm joining him. Like, how crazy is that? I'm working with God today. That's really cool. That's what you tell us every week at staff meeting. You say, guys, you're working with God today. And it's a little unclear if we're talking about God or you, but it really fires us up here and really gets us ready for the week. Just kidding. That doesn't really happen. Okay. As we wrap here, you took us through a few kind of um, just challenge points. But before we even get to that, Garen, I made a note that you said that we worship a God who works. And is that a unique thing? In religion, I mean, yeah, it seems like it kind of is. In the old, in the old ancient religions, they like created and got things going. And a lot of the and the gods are like, they were doing some work at first, and they're like, we hate this, so they created humans to do work, so they could just mm. have leisure. They could mm. just sit up on what was the mountain in Greek? I don't remember Olympus. Yeah, on Olympus, and they drink their. Uh, I forget what their drink is called. Mountain Dew, essentially, yeah, um, right. is what it is. But uh-huh. in, if you translated it, <laughs> you know, just so they could have leisure and humans are doing all this horrible work that nobody, yeah, work was always seen as a bad thing that the gods gave humans and it was a curse. Mm. I mean, in that story of the, the, all the, the dude opens that box and all the stuff comes out. Oh, that's Pandora's bad. box. Yeah, Pandora's box. Work was one of the things that was in there. To them, it was curse. And so this view of hmm, work is so radically different. God's like, no, I'm not afraid of work. I worked at the beginning and I continue to work. I invite you into work. Work is good. Yeah. There's an end game. It's for the blessing of all of creation. And it's a, just a to- radically different view. Huh. That is radically different. And that, that's something that has the power to change our lives here and now today. Yeah. It's I mean, very, yeah. Monday morning going to work. This is something that I can apply right away. Yeah. 
So to me, again, the Trinity is not just this doctrine on the shelf that really doesn't have anything to do with real life. There is so much that we can pull out of it to like, wow, that impacts my work every day. Yeah. So. Very practical. Very cool. So, you know, um, we, we always say this thing about partnering with God at, at 12th, you know, and that's really what this message is about, that we get to partner with God. So as we wrap, Garen, is there a reason, is this why we say this every week? Because I, I start every service with the instruction of, okay, Jordan, go up there and, and, you know, go over our mission again and make sure people know what it is. And, and those are the first words we say from yeah. the stage. Joining God and the restoration of all things. Is, why is that so significant? Why do we do that every single Because I really believe, I have come to see that through all of scripture, this idea of God is on a mission and that he wants us working with him and gives us the dignity of that. Um, is a big theme from beginning to end of Scripture. That's why the Adam and Eve start as priests. I won't go into all that, but in Revelation, I mean, Melissa read it yesterday. We're going to reign with him as priests forever. There's this as element that he wants us involved in what he's doing. And so it's a huge theme in Scripture. And yeah, what, I don't remember when I kind of came to realize all this, but it just it gave me an elevated sense of my purpose in the world that I'm just. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's well said. Yeah. Yeah. An elevated sense of purpose in the world for sure. Okay, Garen, as we go out, the challenge you gave us was one to stay connected to God this week, to stay in your quiet time, stay connected to him, but then also to connect your work back to God. Yep. So, you know, people, let's just assume they are driving to work. They might listen to this on a Tuesday because this is Monday morning. It might not get out to the afternoon, but let's say they're driving to work on a Tuesday they're getting ready to go to work. Um, how can they connect their the work they're about to do back to God today? Yeah, to me, it's the triune God is at work hard right now in this ongoing work of caring for his creation. He wants us to flourish. He's abundant with it. He delights in it. And he passes that off and says, I want you to be involved in that. So I am going into my work and I'm part of a chain that is in some form leading to the care of creation, the care of God's creatures, of humans and human flourishing. Yeah. And so I get to work with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and some of the most important stuff in the world. Yeah. And he does it with delight. And so I'm going to do it with delight. And maybe part of that is I don't have to see the fruit of the labor. Yeah. I don't have to feel like the most important person in the room or like I do the, you know, most important job. But um, yeah, I, I play a role in it. And even, and maybe even more so when people don't see that, you know, God is, God is honored in that when I give him glory in what I do, yeah. when I bring a joyful heart to it. Yeah. So whether you're the CEO or you're the person scrubbing the toilet for the CEO and everything in between, there's a, there's a way to bring God glory in your work today. And it's an honor to partner with God in whatever we do. Yeah. So, okay, cool. Part five wrapped. Garen, next week is baptism Sunday. I'm yeah. excited. Going to. Yeah try to answer one of the top, maybe 10, top 20 questions I heard over the years from people who didn't know God. Because the Trinity, I think, helps answer that question. You're not going to tell us what it is. Not going to tell. Teaser, Garen. Yeah. Holy moly. Okay. All right. Well, we're excited for that. Um, We will see you at 12th for baptism service. 12th, you are sent to work, right? Sent to work. (laughs) Sent to work. All right. We'll see (laughs) you.